Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So here we are. We've made it through another week of 2020, the year that is rapidly drawing to a close. I don't think anybody is going to be sad to see 2020 go. I can't believe we're already at the end of November already, and next week is going to be Thanksgiving week, which will also probably be the most politicized Thanksgiving week ever because this is where we're at now. But yeah, um, congratulations to everybody who's made it through. Um, Still kind of stuck in election limbo, but not really because things are going to start drawing to a close, whether Trump likes it or not, because states are going to start certifying their elections over the next couple of weeks. And we'll get to that. But I want to start with where I have been starting ever since March now, and maybe one of these days I won't have to start here anymore, but with the unemployment numbers. And unfortunately, there is some bad news on this front Um, for the week ending on the 14th. There were 742,000 new initial unemployment claims filed. That is a rather sharp uptick from where we had been for the past about three to four weeks before that. So not a good sign. Um, Kind of more of a bad sign on the unemployment front amongst many other things. Um, It does look like we are going to be heading into a second wave of lockdowns in particular places. Um, I did end up having to cancel my New York trip because it looks like they are getting ready to go into a more lockdown sort of situation either this coming week or the week after that. Um, I'm seeing reports out of Nevada that they're probably going to go into lockdowns. I've seen stuff coming out of Oregon, Michigan, Massachusetts. It, It looks like that is where a lot of states are trending. Um, Nothing for Georgia yet, not that I'm aware of. Nothing really in the Southeast that I'm aware of. But like I said, this does kind of come on rapidly. So that's not to say that we won't get news next week of some sort of new impending lockdowns. And of course, obviously, the whole idea of lockdowns is completely politicized at this point. And I mean, I'm I am very disappointed that I'm not going to get to go to New York City because I was really looking forward to that. I wanted to see my friends, but obviously I'm not going to go up there if there's not going to be anywhere to go and nothing to do. You know, if everything's on lockdown and all the non-essential businesses are closed, which again, it looks like that's where they're heading, at least especially when it comes to like restaurants, bars, stuff like that. It looks like those are going to be either severely restricted or shut back down. So... That sucks, but I'll still be on vacation. I'll just be a lot closer to home. Um, I will be making actual different content because I will be doing kind of a staycation. And so that'll be more of like a Twitter, Instagram sort of thing. Um, I may still record. I'm not entirely sure. As always, when I'm on vacation, I always think I'm going to record and then I never do. And anyway, so yeah, um, I expect the unemployment numbers to start climbing back up. Obviously, if we do start going back into a second lockdown, um, Congress is on recess right now. So as far as there being any kind of federal response like there was in the spring, as far as doing like federal unemployment assistance or anything like that, we would be looking at probably next year at the earliest and really like 
honestly, logistically, probably not until after Biden is sworn in before you really get any kind of serious movement on that, especially since we do still have the two Georgia Senate races that will not be decided until the first week of January. So it it might be a bit of a bumpy December, guys, is what I'm saying. Oh, man, this is just not not good. Not good. And like I like I pointed out last week, this is the time of year where a lot of businesses that do depend on tourism, who do depend on the holiday seasons to kind of pad out their bank accounts to make up for losses earlier in the year, really kind of they, this is when they make their money and it's just not going to happen this year, whether it is just if their state does go on a lockdown or businesses do get restricted or people are just choosing to not celebrate the holidays in certain ways this year. I mean, like I pointed out, obviously, you're probably not going to have any of the big like office Christmas parties at a restaurant or something like that. Um, I was actually talking to my mom over lunch today and her company, who normally does for Thanksgiving, they do like homemade stuff. And then for Christmas, they do the big catering spread. They're not doing either one of those this year. And they don't even, they do that like at work. They don't go somewhere, but even doing that like buffet style stuff is obviously out right now because like nobody wants to be like eating food that a bunch of other people have touched, obviously. And people are probably a little weird about eating food from somebody else's house right now. So yeah, a lot of things are just being not done this holiday season that would normally be done. And it's going to cost a lot of people a lot of money. And that sucks. That really does suck. So unfortunately, that is where we're at with that. I I do expect that number to keep climbing. And this is just not the time of year where it's going to be super easy to go find another job if you are somebody that's in one of those hospitality industries and your your state does get shut back down again. I don't I don't know what you're going to do. I really don't. I, there's just so much uncertainty right now. And it's just, it's, it wears on you. It really does. But moving on to the rest of the news from this rather bizarre week. Um, the Trump camp did finally decide on doing a Wisconsin recount. And I believe I pointed this out before. Um, In Wisconsin, if you're going to request a, a recount, Um, the campaign requesting it has to be willing to fund it. And to do a statewide recount in Wisconsin would be $8 million. And the Trump campaign was not willing to do that, despite all of this fundraising, all the fundraising, where's all the money going? Not to a Wisconsin recount. What they did decide to do was to do a limited recount in Milwaukee and Dane counties for a price of $3 million. Okay. Here's where this whole thing is stupid. And first of all, why these two counties? Well, I mean, I I know why. And that's because there is a disproportional amount of Biden voters in those counties. But here's where this kind of breaks down. And there's a lot that has been made. And I've made these points, too, on Twitter that there is a huge disconnect between what the Trump campaign and what Trump, Trump supporters are saying in public as far as this narrative that is being crafted versus the actual reality of what they are doing, what is going on in courts, the arguments that they are making. Um, One of the big arguments now that they've switched to is kind of arguing about the Dominion voting machines and saying that there's something wrong with them. They were hacked, that they that they flipped votes to Biden. 
all kinds of crazy, crazy accusations. And we'll get, oh my God, there has been some crazy accusations this week, but we'll get there. But I bring up the Dominion voting machine thing because neither Milwaukee or Dane counties use the Dominion voting machines. So you're doing a recount and you're alleging in public that you want this for reason A, but your actions are not actually supporting the case that you're making in public. So yeah, it's 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 wild to watch this. It really is. And it's it's wild to me to watch people still kind of buy into the narrative when the facts of the situation and the arguments that are actually being made where they count, the arguments that are being made in court, the arguments that are being made for doing recounts just do not at all match up to the narrative. It's so, I, I would, I would read like a whole book over the, about like the past month. I totally would. But so we're doing the, the Wisconsin recount. Um, I do believe it is still going on at the time of this recording because the Trump supporters who are there who are doing the, the the poll observations of the recount and stuff, keep interrupting for dumb shit, <laughs> to put it politely, and are basically trying to get every absentee vote, like, kicked out. And they've managed at this point to get, I believe, one vote invalidated. But it's making this whole thing last longer than it is supposed to. I would laugh my ass off. If the state of Wisconsin went back to the Trump campaign and said, because your your poll watchers, your poll observers are causing this to drag out longer than it is supposed to, we are going to need another check. And let's see if they'll cut another check. They won't. I'm, I'm really surprised that they even did the three million. But so that's still going on. Um, Georgia has finished their recount and has certified the vote for Biden. The Trump campaign has requested another recount in Georgia. Whether that is going to happen or not, I don't know. I don't know what the point would be. I mean, how many times do they want to lose the state of Georgia? I mean, I thought losing it once was embarrassing enough, but I mean, I guess maybe they want to go for a second and a third time of losing Georgia. I don't know, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Coming up in the upcoming week, I believe... Both Michigan and Pennsylvania are set to certify their results on Monday. So that will end that. Um, There's a couple of other states, I do believe, that are set to certify this upcoming week. Um, Arizona, I believe, is set to certify this upcoming week. So like I was saying, this is going to start coming to an end, whether the Trump campaign likes it or not, because once states certify their votes, that's it. Like that's it's it's done. The vote is done at that point, and there's nothing left to say or do. So, I mean, and, but again, there's a situation of the reality of the situation, which is that yes, this this election season is coming to a close very soon, and the narrative that there is still battles to be fought and and evidence to be presented and krakens to be released and. No, not really. This is this is going to stop one way or another. I <laughs> and I laugh, but it's not funny because here's another thing that happened this past week that is not funny at all. Like this this is this is actually pretty fucked up. Um the the Trump campaign kind of moved 
they pivoted a little bit from trying to win court cases, which at this point, I believe they are one for 24. Yeah, it's been real bad, real bad for Trump in court. But they they moved from that stance to trying to appeal to state level legislators to to elect electors that would go against the actual vote counts in their state and nominate electors that are going to cast their electoral vote for Trump despite the outcome of the vote in that state. And he went so far in Michigan as to invite state-level Republicans, state-level Congress people to the White House to talk to them. You ain't got nothing to talk about. Mm-mm. And I've made this point before, but I'll make it again. When you're looking at an election for president, it's it's hard to kind of keep in mind that while it is a federal election, what it really, really is on a logistical level is 50 state elections. And then even past there, you get however many cities or counties are in each state. It's a very granular sort of thing. And while we're voting for something that is going to apply to the whole country, the voting process is very state and local specific. Nobody in the federal government, including the president, has any business interfering in this process whatsoever. None. You do not do that. This is not your call. You do not ask people to come talk to you about what they're doing in their own state, in their state's business. That's no, that is not acceptable. That is not at all acceptable. And thankfully, the representatives that did go have said that they are not going to do that. They are going to follow the will of the voters in their state and nominate the electors who are going to do what this what the people in the state have told them to do. But just the fact that Trump would even try this, like that's really fucked up. That is really, really fucked up. And it's just, at this point, like it's just, it's not... It's not funny anymore. It's not a game. It never was. It never was funny. Like this whole thing is really, really messed up. And the the whole defense, well, not defense, but kind of counter argument that, well, none of this is going to be successful. I'm like, okay, I, I see you. I hear you. But that does not excuse away the fact that they're trying it in the first place. Like these court cases that keep getting thrown out, they keep getting thrown out because the judge is like, you have no evidence. You've presented nothing to me to make me want to do the thing that you're asking me to do. And the latest one that came out yesterday was in the state of Pennsylvania. And this was the case that for some reason, I don't remember the exact sequence of events because there's been so many of these cases, but somehow or another, the original counsel on that case for the Trump campaign got fired. Rudy Giuliani replaced them went into court and apparently like forgot how to be a lawyer because his his defense was just so batshit that everybody was just like, I'm not, do what? Like he was making mistakes that if you made them in first year of law school, you would probably be kicked out of law school. But that case ultimately came down. And of course, they the judge dismissed the case. By saying, like, listen, you're asking me to invalidate the votes of millions of people and you've given me no, 
no reason whatsoever, let alone a reason grave enough for me to do that. Like, it, <laughs> it's kind of funny reading these judges, like, summaries and their dismissals, because it's like you can tell they're trying so hard to be polite and nice and, and use their nice judgy language and not just like go off. And I'm just waiting for the one judge that's just going to go nuclear and be like, why did you waste my time with this bullshit? Like, why was this in my court? Why did I have to listen to this? I have better things to do. But it's just, it's, I mean, and, and like I said, it's going to come to an end because it just, it is. But the whole fact that any of this is being tried, I mean, if we've gone past absurd at this point, we're not, I mean, we're at farcical. <laughs> we're just like, I I cannot, I, I can't. Like, this is just absolutely freaking ridiculous. And then, and then on Thursday, <laughs> the press conference heard around the world. And when I tell you that there have been some crazy ass claims made this week, a lot of them came on Thursday because you had Rudy Giuliani, who was apparently like sweating off his fake hair dye, and Sidney Powell, who was one of the lawyers for the Trump campaign. Oh my God, I don't, what? Um, <laughs> um, Sidney Powell accused all of this on like communist interference and communists running this and funding it. And, and somehow blaming Hugo Chavez, who, if you've been paying attention, has been dead for some time and is not not the leader of Venezuela anymore because he's dead. But it's just this wild, outlandish stuff. And then she went and repeated it, like repeated it several times on several different news outlets. And she went on Tucker Carlson's show and Tucker asked her, like, okay, you keep saying you have this evidence, you have this evidence. Can you present it? Like, can you present it here or somewhere? And uh, apparently she kind of just lost her shit on him, told him to stop bothering her about it. And now because Tucker asked the obvious question of, can I see your evidence? Now he's apparently persona non grata and Fox News has become like the enemy of the MAGA people, which if you'd have told me that was going to happen, I would have been like, huh, that doesn't sound remotely plausible if you'd have told me that six weeks ago. But here we are. And now, now <laughs> I watched a video where somebody tried to put Tucker Carlson in the basement at Comet Ping Pong, basically shoving him into the Pizzagate conspiracy. And I'm just like, Excuse me, what? So, no, so now Tucker is, is maybe a pedophile because <laughs> he questioned a Trump lawyer. Like, this is where we've gotten people. This is how insane it has gotten. Like, just all, all they have left now is these wild conspiracy theories that they're saying in public while in court providing no evidence of anything that they are talking about. No freaking evidence. So why are we here? Just stop. Just stop and admit that you lost an election. It happens. People lose elections. Every year, every two years, every four years, people lose elections. And it sucks. 
But you know what? It's just at this point, it's gone on way too far. It's gone way too far. And I'm, I'm beginning to start to see a lot of people in the conservative media sphere start to put their foot down and be like, listen, this is this has got to stop. Like, this is beyond ridiculous. You're starting to get some elected officials speaking out. Um, ben Sass has spoken out against this. Mitt Romney has. Um, I believe Jeff Flake has made a statement that this is absurd at this point. Um, the most interesting one, though, was today, uh, Chris Christie was on one of the Sunday morning news shows saying that the the legal arguments are absurd, which this is probably as close as Chris Christie is ever going to get to saying this is absurd. Like this whole situation needs to stop. So I think over the next week or two, especially once states start certifying their results, you're going to start to see a lot more elected officials come out. And that's what I'm more interested in. Um, conservative conservative commentators, conservative writers, um, I mean, at this point, if you have any kind of integrity, you have to start to put your foot down, especially if you care about the movement, if you care about the GOP, you kind of need to say, okay, guys, um, you're destroying the brand more so than it's already been destroyed. But the, the elected official one is going to be the most interesting one. And at this point, I genuinely don't understand why anybody is afraid of Trump. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Like, what? What's he going to do? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's so weird at this point. It's such a weird space that conservatives have backed themselves into with this. But, I mean, I know we'll still be dealing with this far past January. But, logistically speaking, we're coming to an end here. So, a couple more weeks and, I mean, this election's going to be done. Whether you like it or not, it's going to be done. So, the last thing I want to talk about is something not related to the election at all, but is still related to the media and about how things are going to look going forward into a Biden presidency. Um, obviously, much has already been said about the fact that Glenn Greenwald left The Intercept. Um, Matty Glacius left Vox. Um, this week, though, Ezra Klein has also announced that he is leaving Vox and is going to the New York Times opinion page. Um, Jane Coatson is doing the same. A couple other people are leaving Vox, but you're starting to see this exodus of talent from legacy media. I mean, obviously, Andrew Sullivan already left. Matt Tybee already left. Um, a bunch of people have left, started their own substacks. Um, like I said, Klein and Coatson are going to the New York Times. They're not starting Substacks, but they are leaving Vox. What's interesting here is, obviously, Iglesias and Klein founded Vox. Uh, Greenwald founded The Intercept. So at this point, you're having founders leave the, the media publications that they founded. Woo. Um, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Well, not good for them. Um, I don't, I I don't know what Vox is without Iglesias and Klein. Like they were Vox. I I don't know exactly where they go without them. But 
you're starting to see like this weird, well, not weird, because I've been kind of predicting this for a while. And I, I know I've talked about this before, but we are at the point where it's abundantly obvious that if you are talented enough and you have a large enough reach, you can go independent and make money. I mean, it's it's rumored. I've seen this. Obviously, I'm not privy to the man's finances, but Andrew Sullivan was making a little under 200000 a year. It's been reported over at The New Yorker. And now with his Substack, he's on pace to make half a million a year. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer if you've got that kind of pull to just go independent. Like, yeah. But another a bit of news that came out on the media front is that BuzzFeed is buying Huffington Post. And obviously, this is going to be like a VC-funded sort of thing. So a lot of shakeups in media going forward into 2021. And what I'm wondering is what happens when Trump isn't president anymore? Because so much of the past four years, and I mean, politics has seeped into every single thing over the past four years because of Trump. The, the politicization of everything is real. You can't even have reviews about video game consoles without them turning into something political. Like, it's just, it's everywhere. It's permeated everything. And it's because of Trump. And so now once he's gone, and especially in Biden, you're going to have a very boring, normal president. Biden is not going to be somebody who's sending out tweets at three in the morning. In fact, I highly doubt Joe Biden even runs his own account. It kind of has that vibe of like, staffer run like you can kind of tell Joe's not doing the tweets himself maybe he approves them but he's not typing them you're not going to have this this environment that we've had over the past four years and there's so many people who have come to for better or worse rely on this environment for content so now that it's not going to be there anymore now that we're just going to have boring ass Joe Biden who's not going to be stirring the pot on social media. It's not going to be what the past four years were. Where does this go? Like, what, 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 what do we write about? What do we talk about once we don't have Trump to write about and talk about anymore? I mean, I will still have plenty of things to write and talk about because I've never based this around Trump, but so many people have. Whether they're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, it's been based around Trump. And now he's not going to be there anymore. So I'm just... I'm so curious to see what the next six months is going to look like, both from like a media perspective. I'm interested to see how many more people leave their jobs and go independent or leave and go to other publications. I'm interested to see what ends up happening on social media for me. And maybe this is just a function of the time of year. But I've noticed over the past couple of weeks on Twitter, it's definitely getting quieter in political Twitter. It's definitely not as moving as fast as it was before. And it's not as if we don't have anything to talk about. I'm noticing it's it, it's quieting down. It's slowing down. And I, and I, I expect that slowdown to continue because, like I said, you're not going to have Trump there. You're not going to have that antagonist there that everybody's responding to. Personally, I would be happy for political Twitter to go back to being discussions and arguments about policy positions. I would love that. Can we please go back to that? Because, I mean, there's not going to be anything to argue about stylistically from Biden. 
There's not going to be anything really argue about personality-wise. It's not going to be like, oh my God, did you see what he tweeted? I mean, we're not going to have that anymore. And personally, I welcome it. Like, I I do not view politics as entertainment. It's not blood sport for me. This isn't like a TV show or like a movie. And it's becoming increasingly clear to me for a lot of people, that is what the past four years has been. It's been entertainment. It's been people thinking that this is like some kind of surreal thing that isn't really happening, which it is. And I mean, you still have people right now who are arguing that Trump's legal team is waiting until a case gets to the Supreme Court to unleash this mound of evidence that they have. And it's like, that's not how things work in real life. This isn't law and order. This isn't a movie. This is this is real life. Like you have to present your evidence in court. When you're in court, you don't hold back on it and then just like spring it on somebody at the last minute. Like that's not how things work legally. That's actually, that that would get a case thrown out. If, if it was found that somebody sat on evidence, like that will get a case thrown out of court. So, but again, it's that, that dichotomy between narratives and reality. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll spend some time writing about that because like I said, these past couple of weeks and the people's reaction to how the Trump campaign has spun this and the, the expectations right now that certain people have, I'm just like, that's not how this works. Like at all. That's this is not this is real life. Like your 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 guy isn't gonna pull something out of his ass at the eleventh hour. Like that's just not how real life works. I'm sorry. But yeah, once 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 Trump isn't around anymore, I think things are going to calm down significantly because you're not gonna have that presence there. I'm not entirely sure what some people are gonna write about. I mean I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm really genuinely curious to see where everybody goes from here. And I I suspect a lot of people will check out completely. I suspect a lot of people will lose the influence that they have right now. And I mean there are some people who have made whole careers writing about Trump one way or the other. I'm not sure what they're going to write about once he's not there. But yeah, I'm just It'll, it'll be interesting. I, I definitely look forward to seeing it and chronicling it. But at this point, I think we've pretty much covered everything that we need to cover from the past week. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, obviously, I will not be recording again until after Thanksgiving. So I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. However it is you choose to celebrate it, whether you have people over your house, you don't have people over your house, you have Zoom Thanksgiving, you do do whatever it is. But please, dear God, stop posting about it on social media. It doesn't make you special either way. Nobody really cares except for me. And I just want you to be happy. So, I mean, I'm not going to have 10 people over my apartment because 10 people don't fit in my apartment. I have no place for that many people to eat in my apartment. So anyway, (laughs) but just, oh my God, the politicization of everything, even Thanksgiving, but have a happy Thanksgiving, celebrate it however you wish. Just be safe, you know, spend some time connecting with your family and your friends, however you feel safest doing that, because it's been a long year. It's been a really long, really bruising year. And I I just hope everybody is able to have at least one day where you can connect with your loved ones and have some kind of joy and happiness, just a little bit, and food, 
and booze. Don't yell at anybody over Zoom. Try to avoid political comments. And of course, if you're doing this over Zoom, you can always mute somebody, which is, you know, a benefit there too. So anyway, as always, take care and until next time.